campus here at New Life Church of Mobile. We want to welcome you on this great Sunday morning, man. We just had a great time of worship this morning, didn't we? Man, we had a great time in the presence of God, and man, we're so glad that you guys are tuning in with us today. And man, we have a lot of exciting things going on here today. We have a kids camp that's coming up uh, next month in June. We have an outreach that's coming up this Saturday. We're giving away free snowballs and lemonade. Uh, we'll give more details to that at the end of the message. But man, we have a lot of exciting things going on here today. And another exciting thing today is today is my birthday. And uh, finally made it to 25 years old. And a milestone is great to finally be 20, to be 25. But no, I'm just joking. But, but also, it is my birthday, but also it's the day that I propose to tomorrow. 11 years ago today. So we'll be married 11 years on August 18th. And today was the day I actually proposed to her. So it's kind of hard to forget that day. So, so uh, yes, this that our anniversary engagement is that a thing? Is that a th okay? That, that is a thing. Okay, I didn't know if it was a thing or not, but it happened today. Yes, it's a, it is an anniversary. <laughs> but uh, man, I'm excited uh, to share with you guys today. Uh, before we get started, all the notes. If you have our New Life Church of Mobile app, you can download the app. You can follow along with us. If not, you can just take notes in your seat or on your phone. But uh, today, I want to talk to you on the subject of stop running, stop running. And there's a lot of things in my life that I could look back on when I was uh, preparing for this message and the Lord was just dealing with my heart on the subject of stop running. It's a lot of things that I could look back and point to and say, you know what, when I faced this, I ran. And I was like, you know what, instead of dealing with this, I'm gonna flight and I'm gonna run like Forrest Gump. And it's like, for no reason, I just started running. I started to show that clip, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do it. But you know, Forrest, he was just sitting on his, he was sitting on his porch and he was just sitting there. And then all of a sudden he just got up and he said, I'll just start running to the end of the driveway. And then I started running to the end of the street. And then I said, let's go down to the end of town. And how about the county? And then he just, what about the state of Alabama? And Forrest just kept running. And then to the, Forrest ran to the, end, to the coast and he said, well, I guess I'll go back now. And then he turned around and came on back. But Forrest, he, every time something happened, Jenny would yell, Fall, run, Forrest, run. But I know that's funny, but sometimes we could do the same thing. We just like Forrest. We just run. When difficulties come, we just run. And I know we just finished a series a couple weeks ago on pressure and the different types of pressure that we face. But the only reason that we feel pressure is because of difficulties. I've never, you know, I've never personally, maybe you have, I haven't. I've never been in a situation that was fun and exciting, and I say, boy, I wish somebody took this pressure away from me. Ooh, this is too much fun. Man, take this pressure of fun and joy and peace away from me because this is too much. I can't take it. No, it's in difficult situations where I say, man, this pressure is too much. But it's in the difficulties that we find ourselves that sometimes we just run. And what I've realized in my life is this, is that usually when I run, I'm running away to something that doesn't exist. I'm trying to run away from the environment that I am to say I need a better environment because this environment is difficult. And it's two significant uh, situations in my life that I can remember the most. And like I said, I'm sure there's others and I know there's others, but these two stood out the most. <clears throat> the first one, I was working in the bank and my manager, she was feeling pressure from her regional uh, manager 
for sales of the branch, uh, for all these different things. And what she would, her way of dealing with the pressure that she, or the difficulty she was feeling from her manager was to take it out on us. But not in a verbal way, in a micromanaging way. Like she would come and sit at our desk. She would come and listen to every conversation that I would have with customers to make sure that we're going through the profile because we had like a script that we had to go through. She would sit there and then she was like, okay, so don't forget about this. And she would chime in and jump in. I'm like, oh, just you just go ahead and how about I just get out of the way? I'll go take a break. And then you could you could you could go in for me. But it became difficult to perform on the job because she was feeling the difficult pressure from her superior. And I just remember I said, boy, you know what? I don't like this pressure. I don't like this difficult situation. So you know what? I need to leave. And I said, you know, it'll be a lot better if I just had another job. And I said, you know what? It's going to get a lot better. And I did that. I got another job. And guess what? It was no different. All I did was run into the same difficulties. I ran smack dab into the same difficulties of the pressures of the job. Because what I realized was God was trying to do something in my heart, but I was running from it. <clears throat> and when we run from difficult situations, instead of running, we have to say, let me stop running. Excuse me. <clears throat> we have to say, let me stop running and let me ask God, God, what are you trying to do in my heart through this situation? Because what God uses is our circumstances around us to speak to us. I know sometimes we're waiting on God. God, I'm just sitting in my prayer closet, all quiet, in my devotions, ready for you to speak. And he said, I'm speaking to you through that situation. I'm speaking loud and clear. When are you going to realize that I'm speaking to you? But what we're doing is we're running. And today, I just want to encourage you, whatever difficult situation you find yourself in, stop running. Just stop running. Look at your neighbor and say, stop running. Because all of us are going to face, if you're not in a difficult situation, praise God, because you're about to find yourself in one pretty soon. And I'm not speaking that over you. I'm just saying difficulties will come because life happens. <laughs> and you will find yourself in a difficult situation. And your first emotion will be to run. But we have to say, today, I'm going to stop running. Amen? Amen? And, man, it was so ironic. I, like, the Lord has been dealing with me about difficulties because, man, when difficulties come, like I said, we do want to run. Because it's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. We don't understand why. I'm a child of God. Why am I going through these things? Why is this happening to me? We can have all the questions to God, but God is like, I'm trying to use these situations to perfect something inside of you. But you have to stop running in order to realize what God is doing. And during our readings this week in 1 Samuel chapter 22, David found himself in a similar situation. He found himself running literally for his life from King Saul. King Saul had it in his mind that the Lord put a jealous spirit in his heart up towards David, that King Saul, his number one mission was I'm going to kill David because he was jealous of David. So now David is in a place where he's running. He's running for his life. You remember Sweet Brown? I ran for my life. David was running for his life. And this is what we're going to pick up. This is our passage from 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 through 4. We're going to read it, then we'll pray. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then other men... so. 
David ran for refuge, right? Then other men began coming who were in trouble or in debt or who were discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. So wait a second. David's running for his life. He's just trying to escape, get away. All of a sudden, it says that men start showing up that were in trouble, in debt, or just discontent. And then David now finds himself over 400 men. What in the world happened? Let's keep reading. Later, David went to Mizpah in Moab where he asked the king, please allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. So David's parents stayed at Moab with the king during the entire time David was living in his stronghold. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that it brings life, that it brings encouragement. And I pray that over these next few moments that we are encouraged and strengthened by your word today. And whatever difficulties that we face, that we will stop running, embrace them, and look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So say, stop running. So David is in a place where he's running. And, and he's just trying to get away to escape King Saul. And all of a sudden, he is in the midst of 400 men around him. And I can only imagine, have you ever been in a difficult situation where you just say, I just need to clear my mind. But then here comes everybody else. Like, wait a minute, I can't even, I can't even breathe. I just, can, can, can I just go, can I go sit in the living room or can I just go in my office or can I do what if you're on the workplace? That's the worst when you're at the workplace and some situation comes up and you're just like, I just need to go in the break room. I need to sit in my desk in my office. Excuse me, are you free? Yes, I'm free. You knowing good and well, you're like, no, I'm not free. You see my door closed, but, you, but just come on in, come on in. And it's like, but you just, I just need to clear my mind. That's what David is in this situation. But yet, David finds himself in a situation where he's surrounded by 400 men. But not just 400 men, 400 men that have problems of their own. And they say, David, I heard you got some issues, dog. Guess what? I wanna, I, can I pour my issues on you too? And so David is like, oh, man. Now, what in the world am I going to do? But it's three things that stood out to me what David did and what we can learn from in this situation when we're facing difficulties and stop running. Because what David did was he was running, don't get me wrong, but at some point he had to stop running. And when he stopped running, these are three things that I noticed. And I'm telling you, if you do these three things when you face difficulties, I promise you the difficulties that you face will seem this small or this big. And you'll say, you know what? I got this. I know God is with me because God is with you. And that you walk through whatever difficult situation that you're in right now, you'll do it and you'll learn for the future that I'm not going to run anymore. I'm going to stop running whenever difficulties come and I'm going to embrace them and I'm going to attack them because I know God has made me more than a conqueror. And I'm going to overcome and conquer this difficulty and any difficulty to come. That's my encouragement for you this morning is that today is the day that you will say from, moving, from this day forward, I will stop running. Because running only makes the problem worse. Because you say, oh, if I could just change my environment, then the difficulties will go away. No, it won't. You just move into a different environment with the same difficulties and maybe even more. But God is trying to do something in our hearts when difficulties come. We just have to say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. 
It's funny, but it's true. That's what we have to, we have to say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. That's what Samuel did, and the Lord spoke to him. So we have to position ourselves, and these are three things that we have to do when we face difficulties from what we learned from David. The first thing that you do when you face difficulties, I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. Write this down. If you're following notes, you can follow on. You see it there. But write this down. The first thing you need to do when you face difficulty is seek solitude. Seek solitude. When David realized his life was on the line from King Saul, and I'm sure we're going through some difficult things, but none of us are facing people trying to kill us. This man was running for his life. And he said, I need to seek solitude. And that's exactly what he did. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. He escaped. What is that? He escaped because he needed solitude. And when we go and we seek solitude, what this does is uh, it helps us face our, it helps us focus on what we're walking through, but also it helps us clear our mind and focus on our next steps. Solitude helps you focus on, okay, let me focus on what I'm dealing with. And then also, what are my next steps? Because usually when you run from difficulty, you're trying to escape it. You're not thinking about your next steps. You just, I need to, need to do something to escape this altogether so I don't have to think about it. But when you go to a place of solitude, you say, you know what? Let me gather myself. Let me compose myself. Let me focus on what I'm facing and figure out what are my next steps in this moment. That's what David did. He said, let me gather myself. Let me, let me seek solitude. And guess what? Jesus also sucks. He also went away often to seek solitude. In Luke chapter 4, after he performed miracles, you can read about it later. We don't have enough time to go through it. But in Luke chapter 4, uh, it says that anyone that came that was, hit, that, that was ill, Jesus healed them all. Them all. So I don't know how many it was, but he healed them all. But immediately after that, it said he went to an isolated place. Meaning that I need to seek solitude. You say, well, what's difficult about that? It's difficult pouring out yourself and your emotions and your energy. Jesus said, I'm in a difficult spot now where I'm depleted and I'm drained. These people need me. But guess what? I need to seek solitude. So whenever you face difficulty, the first thing you need to do, I need to seek solitude. I need to escape. And when you seek solitude, this is, like I said, you can do it however you want to. I'm just going to give you some wisdom on how to do it. When you seek solitude, go to a quiet place. And whatever that quiet place is, I don't know. It could be outside in the backyard. It could be in your bathroom. It could be in your car. It could be wherever, any place that's quiet is a place where you can seek solitude. It doesn't necessarily, well, I don't have a room in my house. Well, go sit in the car. Well, I, 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 that, I don't have a place to sit in the car. Well, go on a walk. It's like any place where it's quiet and you can seek solitude to find focus and to say, what are my next steps? To collect yourself, you need solitude. Also, a good way to seek solitude, put on some worship music. Because the moment you begin to connect and you worship with God, it brings a peace and a calm over you that helps you focus. Have you ever tried to go into the presence of God and worship with things on your mind? Isn't it difficult to worship? You hear the songs, you hear everybody singing, but you're not paying attention. You're thinking about what's going on around you. But when you engage and truly focus in on what the lyrics are saying or just focus in on the presence of God, guess what? There's a peace 
and a calm that comes over you immediately. And he says, oh, that's, this peace, this is what I needed in my mind. Because we need peace in our mind, but it comes from the presence of God. When you seek solitude, run to the presence of God. But this is what I want to say about solitude. Solitude is not a place of total disconnection from everyone around you to the point where you lose fellowship with other believers. Solitude is a, it's, it's a moment. It's, 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 it's not a time frame. I know some people say, I just need to disconnect and I need to get away. But, but that's not solitude. That's abandonment. You, what you're trying to do is to abandon yourself from everybody else. That, that's not solitude. Solitude is I just need a moment where I can focus and gather my next steps. I need to focus in on the presence of God, but I'm still connected to other believers that can strengthen me through this difficult time. And I, it, it, I won't say it bothers me, but it, it saddens me when I see believers walk through difficult times and they feel the best way to deal with it is to disconnect from everybody. Well, I'm just going through some things right now, so I, I just need to get myself together. So I'm just, I'm not going to be away. I'm, I'm just going away for a while. But where are you going? But, but your strength is with other believers. But, but you're going to, but so, oh, I can't, I can't make it to life group. I'm just going through a difficult time. I can't make it to prayer on Wednesday or church on Sunday. It's, it's so hard right now, you know, I just need to get away. That's abandonment. That's not solitude. Solitude is a moment. Jesus went away, but guess what? He came right back. He came right back to the men, his disciples that he was mentoring, and he said, I need fellowship with them because uh, getting away is great, but I know I still need their strength to walk this walk that I'm walking through. And we're all the same way. Whenever you walk through difficulties, yes, seek solitude, but don't lose fellowship with other believers because they are the ones that can help you walk through what you're walking through. That's what I want to say that. And you say, well, how, how is that so? Well, let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. It says, make every effort, make every effort. It don't say make some effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is only one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. You know, you have to work hard sometimes when you're facing difficulties to stay connected because the enemy will try to manipulate you and lie to you and deceive you to say nobody understands what you're going through. Nobody really cares. You need to figure this out on your own because in the end, you can only trust yourself. And all of us have heard those thoughts before. No, no, nobody's there for you. See, see, you try to talk to them. They don't listen. They don't really understand. And, and, and boy, that enemy. He knows how to get in that mind of ours and get, and you, oh, yeah, that's right. And then now you're building up arguments that don't even exist. And you have people coming up to you with genuine uh, care and concern that smile. Hey, how you doing? I'm great to see you. No, you don't. you just saying that. you ain't, and, that, and, and that's what you're saying in your mind. You don't really care. You're just trying to know what's going on, enemy. But don't let them deceive. We need the fellowship with other believers. So the first thing is seek solitude. Solitude, not abandonment solitude. I just need a moment. I need to get away. I need to focus. That's what David did. He said, I need to get away. But then David, when he went to seek solitude, this is the second thing we need to do when we're facing difficulties and how we overcome it is this. The second thing is this. See who's around. See who's around. So David, I need solitude. He did that. Bam. All of a sudden, 400 men are around him. 
how in the world did I get to a place of solitude to, to gather myself, but now I'm responsible for these 400 men? Because he said he led 400 men. So now I, I just need to get myself together. I'm trying to work on me. I need some me time. And now I'm surrounded by 400 people? Because what does that do? When you seek solitude, it helps you focus on your next steps, but it also helps you focus on who's around you. Because until you focus on who's around you, you'll never care what anybody else is walking through. Because you're always centered and focused on who? Yourself. But that's not how it should be. Don't neglect those around you because, of you, because you're walking through difficult situations. Usually what we do is when we walk through difficult situations, we neglect those around us. That's why I say solitude is a moment, not abandonment, because it's easy to neglect those around, especially parents. When we walk through, it's easy to neglect the kids. I, I, I know you, I, I can't deal with you right now, or neglect our spouses. I'm just going through a difficult time. I know we need to hang out, but guess what? I just, I'm going through difficulties right now. Just, just leave me alone. Let me figure it out. And we neglect those closest to us. But David said, okay, I need to focus on myself, but now I'm surrounded by 400 people. Now I need to look up on my eyes. And this is what Jesus says about it in John chapter 4, verse 38. He says, then Jesus explained, my nourishment, I love that he said that, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and what? What does it say? Those two words. Look around. So wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for what? For harvest. Verse 36. It says the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? So why did I what, oh, keep going? And you, you know this saying, one plants and another harvest, and it's true. And I sent you the harvest to the harvest where you didn't plant others and already where you didn't plant and others had already done the work and now you will you will get the you will get to gather the harvest. So what am I saying in all this? There is joy in the harvest. But you have to stop and look around to see who's around you. That's what Jesus was telling. He says, "Look up. The harvest is around you." But you'll never notice the harvest around you if you're so focused on what you're walking through and the difficulties. Jesus was trying to say, I'm walking through the most difficult thing any human being have, has ever walked through on the face of the earth. But guess what? I'm looking around to see who's around me. I'm focused on those around me because as bad as your situation is and as difficult as it is, there's other people around you that need you as well. There's other people around you that need your encouragement as well. And I love this about the harvest. When my eyes are fixed on those around me, guess what? It says, it's, the word says it's, it brings a nourishment. It brings a joy. So if you always find yourself depressed, depleted, uh, disgusted, discouraged, I would say that's a clear indication that you aren't in the harvest. And I'm not trying to uh, bash you or try to make you feel bad. All I'm saying is I'm trying to encourage you to find joy. How do you find joy? When you focused on the harvest. And what's the harvest? It's those around you. Sometimes we try to make the harvest, oh, I hear the harvest, that's so big. No, it's not. It's those around you. Who's at your workplace? Who's at your family? Who do you see in your neighborhood? 
Who do you see on a day-to-day basis? Those around you, that is your harvest. And when you open up your eyes and you look to the harvest, guess what? It brings a nourishment and a joy that satisfies so much that the things that you're walking through will seem minimal because you realize I'm being fulfilled by doing the work of God. And if you say, I'm so unsatisfied in my relationship with God, I would say, who are you encouraging? Who are you encouraging around you? If you're not encouraging anyone around you, it's probably going to be difficult for others around you to encourage you. So if there's no one encouraging you, then you probably aren't encouraging anyone else and and back and forth, vice versa. So I would say if you lack joy, you lack peace, I would say it's time to get busy in the harvest. It's time to open your eyes and look around because David said, though I'm walking through this difficulty, I need to look around and there's 400 men around me. So now whatever I'm walking through, I need to put this on pause because there's people around me that obviously God has placed in my care or in my influence that he wants me to be a part of their lives. So now I have to look up and take my eyes. What are you what am I looking up from my situation? What am I looking up from? My difficulties. What am I looking up from? My pity party. My self-doubt. Oh, woe is me. No, no, no. I need to look up and see who's around me. Because I guarantee you, if you open up your eyes and take yourself off yourself, you'll realize there's people around you that need you. You say, well, who needs me, Pastor? It could be your spouse. Isn't it amazing? If married people, you know this. You could be living in a house with the same person not really realize that how much that they need you. How much they need your encouragement, how much they need your strength. That could be the same thing from a brother or like your siblings. Like you could be living in the same house with you. Isn't it amazing when you were younger with siblings and then you grow up older and you hear the stories that they say and like, well, why didn't you tell me that years ago? I didn't know. I I didn't know you wanted a closer relationship with us. Yeah, but I I I mean I I'm glad we have it now, but I really would wish that uh, later. What is that? You didn't lift up your eyes because you were focused on yourself. You, I'm telling you, the enemy wants us to be a selfish people. He wants us to be so self-centered and so self-focused on ourselves that there is no time to look up to the harvest because he tries to keep you busy. Oh, I don't have time to do that. I, can't, oh, I, oh, I got so much going on. I don't have time to meet with you. Oh, I can't hang out. I got too much going on. What is that? He's trying to make you focus on what you have going on so you can't focus on what others are going around and lift your eyes up to see the harvest around you. But when you look up and see who's around you, I'm telling you, it changes your perspective and it changes the way you view your situations because now the focus is not on that, it's on others. Let me see how I could bless them. Let me see how I could strengthen and encourage them. Let me see what God, what, and that's what he's, God, what will you have me to do to speak into their lives? And guess what? There's an instant nourishment and joy that will come into your life that you didn't experience before because you were not looking up to see who was around you. I'm just telling you, what this is right here, we read it, and I'm seeing it in my life so many times. When I focus on myself, I feel discouraged. When I focus on my situation, I feel weak in my faith. When I focus on myself, I feel like nobody understands. I feel all those things. But when my eyes are fixed on the harvest, I don't have time to deal with I'm not say deal with it, but I, I'm not neglecting what I'm going through. But what I'm saying is there's more important things that are going on. What is that more important things? To fulfill the, 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 the call of God, the Great Commission. He says, look up. The harvest is ripe. All you have to do is look up. Look up from your difficulties. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, 
It says the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's straight from the word. You want to be refreshed? Refresh others. If you don't want to be refreshed, don't refresh others. Simple. You don't want encouragement? Don't encourage others. But I'm telling you, when you make it a priority to encourage others, you will get encouragement from all types of sources. You're like, man, I, I, some, you was just on my mind. The Lord sent me this. I want to send you this scripture that blessed me, and I want to send it to you. And you read it. Oh, that's what I'm Oh, thank you, Jesus. What is that? You've been refreshing others. You need refreshing? Go refresh others. You don't want refreshing? Just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, that is, I mean, it's clear as day with the words. Sometimes we try to make the word more difficult than what it is. What does it say? It says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's it. End of story, period. I don't need to go read it in the Greek. That's what it says right there in English. If I refresh others, I will be refreshed myself because I'm doing the will of the Father. Look around to see who's around you. I'm t- boy, I'm, I, I could only imagine what David was going through. I just need some solitude, y'all. Now I'm surrounded by these 400 men. And now he says, you know what? I need to look up because obviously those are around me. So what is that for us? I need, whatever I'm walking through, I need to look up and look who's around me and say, who can I encourage today? Who can I encourage? Who's around me today? So that's the first thing. How do we face difficulties? First thing is we seek solitude. It's just a moment. It's not abandonment. We seek solitude. Second thing, I look up to see who's around me. And this is the third thing. I seek God's face for direction. So now that I got solitude, I'm looking around who's around me. Now I need to seek God for direction because if we read in chapter I'm sorry, back to 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 3. Later, David went to Mizpah of Moab, where he asked the king, please allow my father and mother to live here until I know what God is going to do for me. Until I know what God is going to do for me. David says, I got all these men around me. It's 400 of them. I need to take care of my parents because I need to seek God until I figure out what he's going to do for me. What is that? I need to seek the face of God for direction. Now that these people are around me, because you know, you realize there's people around me that I need to encourage. What do I need to do? Seek the face of God until you figure out what God is trying to do for you. I need to seek God for direction. And David did. He did exactly that. David knew that I don't know what to do with these 400 men. I need to seek the face of God. And he did. And in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says this. Pride leads to disgrace, but humility comes, what with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 29, 23 says, pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. So why did I read about pride and humility when I'm talking about seeking the face of God? It's simple. Because any time there's pride in your heart, you'll never humble yourself to see God's face. Anytime there's pride in your heart, you will never seriously seek God's face for your situation. Because you will always figure out, think that I can figure it out. I got this. I'm in control. I know what to do. And that pride, and God is like, okay, well, just just go right ahead. But when you have a humble heart and you realize 
I don't know what I'm doing. I can't figure this out. I need God's wisdom. And when you humble yourself and you see God's face that way, he's swift to respond. God responds to humility, not pride. But so many times through difficult situations, we want to put on our good Christian face and make everybody think we got it all together. I know what to do. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed going in and going out. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm, ooh, I'm so fired up. But then you go home and you're depressed. Then you, then you go home, you, you're disgusted. I don't have anybody to encourage. What, what is that? What is that? That's that pride that says that won't admit that I need to see God's face. But when you say, you know what? I didn't try it my way, and my way doesn't work. I need to humble myself and seek, God, and seek God's face for direction. And I just know from personal experience, it's much easier to humble myself to say, God, I need you, than for Mario to say, oh, I know what to do. Oh, I've been in this situation before. I can do this. See, let me tell you what you need to do. No, no, no. I need to humble myself. Usually if I tell my, I'm talking about me. If I look at a situation, I say immediately, I know what to do without seeking God. I need to stop myself and say, you know what? I need to stop, humble myself, and seek God for this. Because that, that's pride inside of me that says, I know what's best. Because something could be black and white that I think is right, but God is like, yes, I see how you see it, but you're not seeing how I see it. Because my ways are higher than your ways. You can only see it from a natural perspective, but you don't see what I'm trying to do 10 years from now from this one situation. And that's when I have to say, I need to humble myself and see God's face. David said, I don't know what to do with these 400 men. But I need to seek God's face until he tells me what are my next steps. What do I need to do? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24, it says, the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? What do we try to do? Understand everything along the way. Well, I just don't understand. I mean, I did what you said, God. Why didn't it work out? I just don't understand. The Lord directs our steps. So why, to, why try to understand everything along the way? You're not going to understand everything. But what do we try to do? Understand everything. I need an explanation. Why, God? I, you, you know all things, and you already knew what was going to happen before it happened, so why didn't you tell me how it was going to happen when it happened? I need to know. Tell me. Help me understand, because I know... I did what you said to do. You said seek your face, and then, then you'll make a way from it. That's what I did, but you didn't do it. So I don't understand, God. Isn't that what we do? Am I the only one? Am I the only one that does that? that asks, God, help me understand. But what we want answers. If you go to a restaurant, and they mess up your food, and they say, oh, I'm sorry. You say, no, no, I, I, I need to speak to the manager. I need somebody to, I need this to be that you really need to recook this. I need to not pay for this. I need some answers. Why was my food not prepared? The way? You want some answers. But when it comes to God, we do the same thing and even worse. It's like we treat God worse than, than the restaurant because sometimes, oh, you know, it's okay. I'll just eat it as it is. But when it comes to God, we're ruthless. No, God, I need some answers. You the Alpha and Omega, right? You supposed to, I need you to tell me what's going on. I need some understanding, God. And, but that's what we do. 
we not, it's a lot, but I know it's funny, but it's true. That's why everybody laughing. But the, but the thing is, is what, ultimately, what is that? It's pride. It's pride. Because our pride doesn't want to admit that we don't understand. Our pride doesn't want to admit that it didn't go the way that we thought it should, or our feelings get hurt, or our, our dreams get crushed, or our expectations, or our plans didn't. And we get mad at God, but all it boils down to is pride. And that's when we have to say, I need to swallow my pride. Not swallow it. I need to die to my pride and say, God, I need you. That's humility. You're not going to understand. So why try? But we try. We need to humble ourselves and say, God, I put it in your hands. I'm going to read it to you in Proverbs chapter 24, 20, 24 in the Passion Translation. It says, it is the Lord who directs your life for each step. For each step you take is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. So much of your life then remains a mystery. So why don't you understand? Because it is a mystery. And we'll never understand until uh, completion, until we get to heaven. So until then, as much as my little brain tries, wants to know and understand everything, I just need to trust God and just say, you know what? I'm not going to understand. Because this is, and I've been in situations like this before. I didn't understand in the moment, but months and even years later, God says, I couldn't reveal it to you at the time because you didn't have the maturity to understand what was going on. Sometimes you don't understand because you don't have the maturity to understand what is really going on. Because if God really told you what was going on, it'll mess up the plans for the future. What he's trying to do is work something in your heart in the moment that's going to prepare you for what? Your destiny. That's what we just wrote. Read. It, prepare, it says, for each step to t- you take is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. So everything that God is orchestrating is to bring you closer to your destiny. So, yes, if he's trying to do this master plan and work 10,000 things together in your favor, there are going to be some things you're not going to understand. But we have to be okay with saying, God. I trust you. I'm going to seek your face anyway. I'm going to seek your face anyway. And this is what happens when we seek God's face. He gives us an anointing to walk through the difficulties that we walk through. How do I know that? Because it happened to David. David, he sought solitude. He looked around to see who was around him. He began to seek God's, God's face. And he said, I'm going to stay here until God tells me what he has for me or what God is going to do for me. And God said, here's an anointing for your next steps. I'm going to lead you to battle. Take these 400 men and lead them to battle. So that lets me know this, that the anointing that God gives us is not just for me, but it's for those around me. Because just as much as I need those people, just as much as those people around me need me, I need them just as much. Just as much as those men needed David, David needed them just as much. That's why God sent it to him, because he said, David, what you're about to face, you, I need to surround you with some men. Matter of fact, here's 400 of them. You're going to need them. Here's 400 of them. And David, so now David's looking at it like, now what was looking like a difficult situation, now he realizes, oh, I need these men. Well, now when I look up in the harvest, I realize God didn't just put these people around me to encourage them. I need them as well. Just as much as they need me, I need them. 
But God, he, what he's trying to do is when you seek my face, then I'll give you the anointing or I'll give you the understanding or the wisdom to see those things. Because it's not just for you, it's for those around you. And so much so that David uh, was so entrusted by God that if you continue to read on, God added 200, men, 200 more men to David. So it ended up being 600. So he started off with 400, and now he's at 600. Why? Because he sought solitude. He looked around to see who was around him, and he said, I need to see God's face. When did he do that? In the moment of his greatest difficulty. So in the moment of your greatest difficulties, we could take those three lessons from David. You need to seek solitude. You need to look around. Who's around me? Who can I encourage around me? And also, I need to see God's face to find out, what are you trying to do through me, God? You brought these people around me. What are you trying to do through us together? Because ultimately, God puts people around you because he's trying to do something through you together. Because it's bigger than you and them. It's for the kingdom of God. And he brings people around you for the advancement of the kingdom. And what does that mean? He's trying to help you get those around you so you can help more people get into the kingdom of God so they can have eternal life as well. That's his grand mission. That's why we have to look up and see us around us. That's why we have to seek God's face. But if you keep running, you'll never do those things. All those things that I talked about, if you keep running, you'll never do those three things. Because you'll run right on past them. You'll, right on, you'll run right on past solitude, and you'll right straight, run straight to abandonment. You'll run right on past looking who's around and run straight to isolation. You'll run right on past seeking God's face, and you'll run to pride and say, I'll figure this out. I'll do it myself. But when you stop running and say, you know what? I'm going to face these difficulties. I'm going to embrace them, and I'm going to say, God, I need your help, and I'm going to do these three things, guess what? From now and moving forward for the rest of your life, no matter how difficult the situation is, you know that, hey, I know it's difficult, and I don't know what that's going to tell on this journey, but I know that on the other end of it, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Is it difficult? Yes, it's going to be difficult. I'm not trying to say that it's not. That's why I'm trying to encourage you right now. I'm trying to encourage you because it is going to be difficult. And we do face difficult things. But you need to know more important than how difficult it is. The reality is, at the same time, victory is yours. And not just is yours. It's already yours. You just have to receive it. You just have to walk through it. You just have to stop running. Just stop running. That should be a thing you tell yourself. You know what? I need to stop running. Because nope, there I go. I'm acting like Forrest again. I'm running. I need, to, I need to stop running. And when you stop running and you seek solitude, look around you, look for those around you, and you seek God's face, difficulties will no longer be an obstacle that keeps you from moving forward. It'll just be a roadblock that you say, devil, I'm stepping over this mountain. I'm speaking to this mountain of difficulty, and I'm casting it into the sea, and that you will never return ever again in my life, and I'm keep moving forward. Oh, here comes another difficulty. Guess what, devil? I'm still moving forward. You're not going to stop me. You're not going to stop the destiny that God has placed on the inside of me because I'm I'm stopped running, and I'm going to embrace these difficult situations. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, we feel your presence so strong in this room this morning. 
Lord, we all face difficulties. We're, none of us are exempt, Lord God. But I thank you that even in the midst of difficulty, that encouragement is rising on the inside of us, that strength is arising on the inside of us, that those that even walked in discouraged this morning, that today that they would find hope, that today that their strength and their faith will be renewed, their faith will be restored to trust you again. And I thank you right now, Lord God, that you've given all of us, all of us under the sound of my voice, Lord God, that you've given us, Lord God, a faith that says, God, even in the midst of difficulties, even when I don't understand, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. And I will stop running and I will ask, God, what are you trying to do through this situation in me? I thank you right now, Lord God, for a fresh perspective today that today something shifted in our perspective on the way we view and walk through difficulties, Lord God, that, that today that we find wisdom and strength by the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that it falls on good ground today. Lord, I thank you for testimonies that will come forth the people to say, I stopped running, I embraced it, and I thank you that I am stronger because I stopped running from difficulties and I walked through it because I knew the one that has overcome the world is with me. Thank you right now for your presence, Lord God. Let it refresh us. Let it strengthen us. Let it renew us. Let it give us a fire, Lord God, that trusts you and that's passionate for you and for your presence. Because we need your presence, Lord God. For any one of us that's dry, Lord God, let us find nourishment. Let us find strength in your presence today. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can keep your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to give one final invitation. And that's for anyone in the room today that you find yourself in a situation where you realize, I'm, I'm not connected to God. I'm not in right relationship with God. But today, you know the Lord is tugging on your heart. Maybe you're watching online and you've served God at one point or fallen away, but you want to come back into right relationship with God. I want to give you that opportunity today. So with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eyes closed, uh, within no one looking around. If you want to come into right relationship with God this morning, just lift your hand and I want to pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for this moment, for this divine moment that you preordained. And I thank you that today, this Sunday, I surrender my life to you. I lay down my life and I receive the free gift of salvation. I receive your love this morning. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me right and clean in your image. I love you, Lord, and I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. If you made that decision in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. Uh, you can feel that. Oh, I'm sorry, I made a decision. You can feel that out. Uh, drop it in the offering bucket on the uh, during the offering time, and we love to connect with you. But also, if you're online and you prayed that prayer, let us know. Email us at info at newlifemobile.org. We love to hear what God did in your heart in that moment. Or you could just put a comment in the comment section. Let us know that you made that decision. We love to connect with you as well. But let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. 
Greatest decision that you will ever make. Stop running. Say one more time. Stop running. Stop running. Well, we have a few announcements uh, for you guys online before we disconnect. Again, this Saturday, uh, May 27th, we have our outreach, which is uh, a snowball and lemonade. We're going to give our free snowballs, lemonade. We're going to encourage, pray for people that want prayer. We're going to do that this Saturday. Uh, you can sign up in the back of the room if you're in the building. You can sign up, but if you're online, just email us at info at newlifemobile.org. We give you more directions and details for that as well. Also, Kids Camp is coming up June 12th through 16th. You can sign up today in the back of the room as well. Uh, if you have kids that for a kindergarten through sixth grade, they could sign up for that. Or you could go to our website, uh, which is newlifemobile.org, our Facebook page, uh, or our app to register as well. But uh, lastly, before we disconnect from you guys online, we want to give you guys an opportunity to give for those that are prepared to give. Uh, we have uh, our Building New Life campaign. We just want to remind you about that. What We have some projects around our church that there's a special offering that anything that goes towards that will go directly towards the need of updating our lights, updating uh, the out exterior of our facilities. There's so many different projects that we have going on, but you could give and sow directly to that. But also we want to give you an opportunity uh, to pay your tithes and offering as well uh, to sow into the kingdom of God. We want to pray for those, uh, for you guys that are prepared to give online, and then you guys are dismissed. Lord, I thank you for those that are prepared to give today. I pray that you bless them and strengthen them. Lord, I pray that there will be no lack in their lives. I thank you that every dimension of their life is blessed. And I speak a blessing over them and their household and their family and their finances. Let every part of their life prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. And you guys, thank you for tuning in with us online. We want to encourage you this uh, Wednesday, 630, join us for prayer. We've been here for one hour. Also, we have the outreach this Saturday. So you can sign up online for that as well. But we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Hope you can join us next Sunday at 10 a.m. But have a great, great rest of the day and stop running. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, you